Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mythos Unit with Listen to These Nerds. My name is Chris, and I will be the Game Master for this evening, starting on my left and going clockwise around the table. Uh, hello, I'm Harry. I'll be playing Franklin Blackmore. Hi, I'm Jonathan. I'll be playing Adam Lavender. That's right. We have a new character joining us this session, everybody, uh, courtesy of Jonathan. And, yeah, uh, we'll be introducing his character very soon enough, but until then... I'm John. I'm going to be playing Chip Adams. Uh, I'm Joey. I'll be playing Quincy Adams. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, due to real-life player stuff, Yvette uh, having to leave... Uh, listen to these nerds for the time being will be unable to join us for the time being. Event is off on an island fighting other librarians for dominance. <laughs> yeah. You heard of PUBG. This is PUBG Librarian Edition. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heavy dictionaries. Oof. Um, but yeah, anyhow, I'll be finding a way to write out Lester, who served one day with the Mythos unit. And <laughs> One day too many. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she got, like, two to three days. Yeah. Uh, no, she was li- there for literally one work day. Yeah, no, like, because it was, she showed up, and there was the blackout, and we haven't really stopped since then. I mean, it's, it's technically more work days if you want to count, like, the work days, like, eight-hour chunks. Mm-hmm. Three days tops. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, last we left off. In our last session... The individuals seated before me here, these three fine detectives, were investigating the scene of a second murder that had occurred after the blackout, and discovering the body of a young man named Ronald Lake, who was the assistant to a woman named Genevieve Helms, who is the head of the public works department at Town Hall, they went about their own business trying to investigate possible leads and suspects related to the case. One of our investigators, uh, specifically Franklin Blackmore, spoke with Miss Helms to uh, learn more about Ronald Lake and discover what he was doing the night of the murder, while Chip Adams investigated some nightclubs that the suspected murderer was seen uh, frequenting or in the vicinity of. And after investigating some possible leads, the team, after an incredibly long night of sleuthing and fact-gathering, decided to turn in for the night. After an exhaustive and completely chaotic night, filled with death and rampaging myths. So let's jump to the next morning. So the three of you, um, I imagine, get up at your own respective times, feeling exhausted after basically more or less a very, very long bender that took you into the wee hours of the morning gathering clues and information. Yes, um, just to clarify, that yeah. also that day also included uh, me and Quincy talking to Elliot Foster, correct? That's correct, yes. And you also were able to gather a number of clues from this man regarding four other myths, very powerful ones, that were in the employ of the Smiley Face Killer. <laughs> so yeah, four more hurdles that you'll have to clear before me- making your way towards the big bad guy himself. Did I get a call or, like, any contact from my friend who might definitely legal, not a criminal yes. vigilante friend? Um, you received a, co- um, a number of text messages from your acquaintance who was most certainly not a fugitive of the law. Yeah, definitely not an illegal vigilante. Yeah, you are actually meeting him at some point today. So, in Mythtown. Mm, yes. So, uh, with that in mind, the three of you get up in various states in the morning before, I imagine, getting ready for work and things like that. Mm. All right. 
I, I check out my kid. Yeah, uh, John's eating his breakfast. He's, uh, yeah, still a little shaken regarding last night and stuff, but, you know, he tries his best to be cheerful and stuff, uh, speaking to you in the morning. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Quincy, what's going to be going on today with you at work and all that? Oh, don't worry about that. Uh, okay. You know, you, you did such a good job yesterday. Well, I mean, uh, I didn't really know what it was that I did. I well, just, it was very, very strange. Well, you know, don't don't worry too much about it, but I just wanted to, and I'm going to reach into the cupboard and pull out, out of the secret compartment where I keep it, the sugary cereal. <gasps> oh my gosh! I was supposed to have that in my old home. You get Colonel Crunch. <laughs> yes. Well, you did a good good job last night. You were a good kid, and you, oh. you helped out, and you followed directions with what was important. Oh. So, here you, why don't you just, uh... I'm gonna put this box down. And I'm gonna look away. <laughs> yeah, you hear the uh, yeah the sounds of multiple yeah sugary uh, projectiles hitting the bottom of a ceramic hole, and you turn around and there is a small mountain of cereal seated in front of the wide-eyed and open-mouthed boy. All right, well, don't choke on it. <laughs> uh, uh, right, right, of course. And yeah, don't fucking die, kid. <laughs> going to work. <laughs> so uh, remember we- to chew. <laughs> In intervals of ten. <laughs> As Quincy demonstrates by chewing incredibly slowly. What? You see, Quincy was there when Dr. Uh, Kellogg's invented cornflakes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the three of you, after taking care of your various businesses around the house, then head into work. And immediately heading to the meeting room, uh, yeah, you are greeted by a very tired-looking... Um, James Hightower seated at, you know, behind his desk, and he's, yeah, just got a cup of coffee in front of him, and he is looking over some notes with enormous bags under his eyes. Mm. Morning, all of you. Jim, I also sip my coffee. Right. So, how'd everybody sleep last night? Mm. About as well as I usually do. Mm-hmm. Sorry to hear that. Had a little bit of an adventure, you might say. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um... So things have been going on, of course. More reports coming in about myth stuff from around the town. Not just the ones that you all were able to subdue. Hmm. As it turns out, there have been a number of other myths that were, well, rampaging about. More, well, more of the same things that you encountered. Hellhounds, plague rats, those slime things, corruptors. But the Hydra that you all took down was the only one of its kind that was discovered. Hmm. So uh, good on you for all that. Hmm. Well, yeah, all in a day's work. Mm-hmm. And basically, I'm just dealing with the new mountain of paperwork that I have, and... Question. Would we have briefed Hightower about what we managed to get out of Foster, or has that not happened yet? Um, you guys haven't talked to Foster, uh, him about all what right. Foster told you. Now, before we start discussing matters of the day, I suppose there's been a... Well, another change in the roster that I should be speaking to all of you about. Um, I, I look around, and at this point, I do actually realize that, like, Thalestra isn't, like, behind me or, like, in the shadows somewhere. Like, or on the ceiling. Yeah, you know, like, oh, Thalestra isn't here. No. Um, Who? I spoke. The very nice lady that was working with us, Quincy. Ah, yes. <laughs> she seemed, um, very unique. That's one way to put it. Uh, I received a phone call from Iris following the blackouts. Um,. There were a few incidents of myths along the border of Mythtown, but interestingly enough, no rampaging myths going into Mythtown itself. So, Wait, from 
us to Midtown or Midtown us? Um, uh, Iris phoned us here, so I'll no, no, no. Did, I'm sorry. Uh, did, did any myths go from from here to Midtown, or, no. or were you saying the opposite? Um, all of the myths that were rampaging about it occurred in London outside of Midtown. Mm-hmm. Nothing, no chaos inside Midtown itself, just along its borders outside. Oh. So they're investigating things within as well to see if there was any reason as to why this occurred. They're taking this matter very seriously. And Iris, is, after examining the situation, I, she spoke to me asking about how Thalestra was fitting in, you might say. And after a bit of discussion regarding the matter, she decided that Thalestra's talents would be better spent investigating more secretive matters in Myth Town regarding this matter. So for that reason... Thalestra will no longer be working with us as a member of the Mythos unit. Well, shame to see her go, but I can't say I'm surprised about that judgment. And she seemed nice to me. Well, uh... Did she turn into a gargoyle? No, you're thinking of... Dubois. Oh, Dubois. Nice girl. Well, uh... She is going to be reviewing her roster of candidates as to whom she may want to send in order to be a delegate, you might say, working with us. And she's going to make more of an effort to find somebody who she feels would be a better face, so to speak, to represent uh, Myth Town as a member of our team. But um, I will say that there is actually... um, We have an addition to the team as well. After reviewing a number of the candidates uh, to potentially pad out our group, we discovered an individual who we feel would be able to suit our talents and, uh, you know, fill some of the... basically um, fill out the roster in terms of their skill sets and abilities. So for that reason... Are they uh, also a spider? Uh, no, no. Um, basically, we felt as though regarding the increased workload and the additional chaos and stuff, our budget was able to... Uh, support an individual being accepted onto the team. Hmm. So, so what you're saying is because Jack's <clears throat> working in Midtown and they're paying his budget now, we can bring somebody else in. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, so, for that reason... Oh, Jack, I forgot. Hmm. Uh, Some meta-team cuts. <laughs> How's Jack doing? Uh, from what I understand, he's fitting in well. But regarding the new addition to our team, I believe, and at this point you guys hear a... Ah, speak of the devil. Uh... Right, so he heads over and... It's the devil! <laughs> opening up the door. Um, the three of you are faced with a new individual. Jonathan, could you describe your character, please? All right. So, uh, basically, as soon as the door is open, uh, In is going to walk uh, a fairly tall but kind of slouchy-looking man. He looks like maybe he's in his late 30s, early 40s. Uh, he's dressed very casually, but underneath kind of uh, like a newsboy cap, you can see this kind of splash of dark hair coming out. And he looks very handsome, actually. Um, he's wearing uh, a, a, almost a very conspicuous long-sleeved jacket. Um, and uh, he's going to go basically uh, uh, immediately and, and introduce himself, stand in front of you and say, Well, hello, my name's Adam Lavender. Nice to meet you. Ah, well, um, I believe we've spoken over the phone, but I don't think this is our first time meeting in person. Um, Superintendent James Hightower. Essentially, I'm in charge of these fine gentlemen here. So, uh, if you... Nice to meet you. So, yeah, the 
person who says this, uh, could you guys also briefly describe your characters for the benefit of Jonathan? Uh, so Quincy is a uh, African-American man in his late 50s. Um, despite that, he seems to have the countenance of a man in his 80s. One too many animals. He is uh, uh, bald. He is mostly bald, from what I remember. Hmm. Um, and he's wearing, uh, shorts and a police jacket that says police on it. Like, he looks even more casual and unprofessional than you do. <laughs> and, he, and he's also has a pair of headphones which are not on, but they're, they are around his neck. Just hanging. Yeah. And he's also wearing sandals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does he wear socks with sandals? No. He's not a, he's not a some sort of monster. <laughs> uh, not some sort of pervert. <laughs> <laughs> right. You say uh, that, but the number of times he doesn't wear pants around the office. Oof. <laughs> uh, so, Chip is uh, kind of a... He's a uh, white, um, bit heavy set. Um, kind of... He has a very, like, short-cropped haircut. Um, he, he looks kind of like what you... Like, when you think of what a police officer looks like. Kind of like that. He's a police officer-flavored police officer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in the past we've said that uh, uh, Quincy was like a 70s cop, like from a, a 70s cop movie. Yeah. Um, while Chip is from like a 80s cop movie. No, more, more like um, a the, 90s cop movie. Yeah. More, more like a TV show like The Shield or The Wire or yeah. something. Yeah. Similar. All right. Yeah. Primetime cop. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, the last person in the room is a black man with very short, sort of salt and pepper hair. He looks pretty old, you'd say. He's got like a lot of his face looks pretty like leathery, and he's got wrinkles, a bit of wrinkles. Um, he's wearing what looks to be like a, a suit jacket, like a very sort of standard, almost like noir detective setup. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the coat that he's wearing, you actually see there's, there's like these large acid burns in it. Basically, that like so there's like the kind of just holes through it, <laughs> and uh, he basically goes up to you and says, "Franklin Black, Inspector Franklin Black." Uh, I think, and he looks at you, and then he looks at Quincy, and he's like, "I think you'll fit in just fine." <laughs> Very nice to meet you. All right, now uh, in regards to things that occurred last night, um, uh, Inspector Lavender, I understand that uh, being a bit new here, there are a few cases that we're working on at the moment. We're happy to catch you up in regards to matters. But, uh, yes, in regards to the chaos last night, uh, were there any leads that you all uncovered? Any bits of information you feel relevant to share? Well, there's that Hot Topic uh, guy. uh, Sorry, I forget his name. Austin Graves, I think. Yeah. Austin, Austin Graves, who has a history of threatening public works and was also in the area at the time of the crime and Mm. we have footage basically of him and some associates we're going to we're going to go see if we can get a warrant to pick him up interesting all right uh as for something that me and quincy found and this blackmore goes over like locks the door like closes the blinds a little bit and yeah this um Hightower is, yeah, is looking at you like he can definitely tell that something's up. How much has um, Lavender been briefed on the previous Smiley Face Killer murders? Uh, We have... Actually, I don't think it's been discussed terribly much. Uh, So you know, Inspector Lavender, I'm not sure... Were you aware of the actions of the Smiley Face Killer over the last few years? 
Uh, I've heard whispers now and again, but no details. Uh, well, essentially there were 14 incidents in which 14 people were found horrifically murdered and under various circumstances, but the calling card was the same. Um, a smiley face was left behind in one form or another, whether a sticker or a badge or something similar. Thus, the papers took to referring to them as the smiley face killer. God, 14. 14. I had no idea. With no evidence or anything to provide any possible leads. And well, apart the... from their connection to the smiley face killer, right? Mm. Yes. With Aside from the calling card. But nevertheless, um, over the last two blackouts, one that occurred last night and one that occurred a week ago, we feel as though uh, there were several, two separate incidents, one on each occasion, which we believe to be the work of the smiley face killer, despite the lack of a calling card. There are extenuating circumstances and evidence which lead to suggest that the killer was involved in this incidents. The first victim of this resurgence was a dryad who was an assistant to the Grove Mother, sort of head dryad named Iris. The victim's name was Holly. We weren't able to find much in regards to it. However, the smiley face killer seemed to use an intermediary to buy a potent herbicide which was injected into the dryad, killing her. That herbicide was picked up by a man named Elliot Foster. We managed to pick him up uh, about a few days ago, and he'd been in a, and unfortunately haven't been able to interview him because he's been in a combination of coma slash deep state of exhaustion. However, last night he woke up. Me and Quincy were able to interrogate him, and he provided us, and while he's cooperative, he's not exactly, he's still in a state of shock. Understandable. Man was effectively held hostage for... Correct. For, what was it, two years? Uh, something to that. It was a considerable period of time. What we did manage to get out of him, however, is a bit of information about the blackouts and also possible accomplices regarding the smiley face killer. According to Foster, he was able to... Dis he discovered some sort of electrical myth from his time working at the power plant. He was kidnapped by the killer because of his knowledge of this myth and its ability to be effectively created out of thin air. Apparently, running the myth through some sort of zeronium, some sort of circuit using zeronium, and I, I look over at Lavender to see if that, like, like he recognizes that name. Uh, zeronium is a material that is essentially anti-magic. It's a new mineral that was discovered after myths began appearing all over the world three years ago. <clears throat> Thank you. Yep. Anyways, the Zeronium circuit, if you manage to run one of these creatures through it, kills it in the process, but in doing so releases a large amount of energy that creates these blackouts. So that's uh, the reason behind why these blackouts are occurring. You believe it's the work of the smiley face killer. Precisely. And that also explains the devices we found when we found Foster in the first place. A city-wide blackout? It's happened twice before. I mean, you're... <laughs> You were in London at the time? Oh, I'm not I'm not questioning that. I'm just saying, as why would a, a serial killer going after, I'm assuming, unconnected individuals? Um, it what we believe to have been one individual one week ago, the drive we mentioned, and last night, um, we suspect that they were involved with a pub filled with individuals related to the McCarthy crime family. Oh but wow. We have no evidence to prove that it was the killer. No calling card. No calling card, yes, but nevertheless, uh, the scenes were so horrific that we believe uh, the killer to be connected. As well as other extenuating 
uh, theories, but no hard evidence. According to Foster, this killer uh, has five accomplices, which have been given some sort of code name. They are the graveyard, the hunter, the master, the plague, and the noble. At this, uh, um, Hightower has taken out a, yeah, um, a dry erase marker and is frantically writing these yeah. on the whiteboard. Now, according to Foster, from what he believes, or at least what he can tell us, the graveyard happened to be that Gasha Dokuro, and he kind of like looks around the room to see if he pronounced it correctly. Yes, the, that's how you pronounce it. The big skeleton, yes. Yes, apparently that was the graveyard. Mm. So we oh, I get it. dealt with that in a sense. So yeah, this, um, yeah, Hightower lists that under. I, the, unfortunately, he has no other information regarding the other four, though I'd imagine giving the slimes and rats that we had to deal with during the second blackout that the plague is close by, if not somehow related. Hmm. Hmm. The other thing that he seemed to discuss is that he doesn't have any description of the actual killer himself, instead describing that it has some sort of mimetic properties, once that it has the ability to get inside a person's head and stay there for some time. Whether this amounts to possession or something other than that, he wasn't really quite sure. Very interesting. That is disturbing. Yes. From what we've been able to gather, it seems whatever this thing is, whether it's a person using a pact or a myth itself, seems to thrive in darkness, and that's its aim with these blackouts. I'd imagine it's trying to make them more powerful somehow, though how is anyone's guess? Well, based on what you've said about the, the crime family, it sounds like maybe the serial killer is expanding? It's certainly a possibility. Going big time, in a sense. One individual, one week ago, then five last night. Well, yes. And that's, I think, the point I was trying to make earlier. A serial killer typically goes after one victim at a time. A citywide blackout seems like overkill and would potentially draw too much unwanted attention. Well, serial killers also usually work alone. Exactly. This seems more like, um, I wouldn't call an organization maybe a cult. You're thinking some sort of copycat. Well, no, I think the, uh, maybe the serial, maybe the smiley face killer has changed MOs, gathering allies and other... It had plenty of time to do so. For the only things uh, all of these murders to have in common is a, a symbol or an emblem, seems to me like more the work of a gang than an individual. Hmm. That's certainly a possibility. Yeah, Hightower's just writing all of these theories down. But then again, I'm no expert. But any of the case, this is obviously somewhat inflammatory information, hence my need for, uh, and he kind of like, you know, points around the room to the the closed blinds and locked door. Absolutely. And in regards, uh, no one needs to be an expert to propose theories. At the moment, we are accepting any and all bits of advice. We're willing to look at this from any possible perspective because we've never dealt with anything like this before in human history. So. <laughs> well, Lavender just kind of shakes his head a little bit. So, he looks everything over. So, he connects this to, yeah, these incidents as well as the blackout on the board to an existing one, which seems to be um, a case labeled the Dryad. So... So, it seems as though these are a number of incidents going on, and we also have this unconnected case, and he refers to, he taps an entry, the only other unconnected case on the board labeled The Man in Black. In case you were unaware, The Man in Black is an individual that's been cited twice already, 
uh, by our team. They seem to be a vigilante, uh, dressed entirely in black to obscure their identity, but they seem to be working to prevent crime in the city and also to, well, generally assist in keeping the peace and such. However, their actions have resulted in them breaking the law, including, um, you know, uh, trespassing onto property and also assaulting individuals. So, for that reason, vigilantism... Wasn't there also something about a motorcycle? And at this, uh, uh, yeah, you actually see that Hightower is uh, actually is suppressing a bit of a smile at that. Yes, uh, he, in order to, well, these fine individuals here, uh, they were uh, in the process of subduing a rampaging myth downtown. In order to get to the scene as quickly as possible, the man in black commandeered a motorcycle that was in uh, the property of our... Ass- yeah, Assistant Commissioner Colin Buttermaker. Um, yeah, um, you, so, yeah. So, yeah, I'm imagining everyone just kind of smirks and, yeah. like... And <laughs> when he was younger, he'd do the jerk-off motion. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know what that is. Well, he tries to do it, and he's like, oh, my arthritis. <laughs> oh, my wrist is broken! Oh, yes. man, I <laughs> Who might I add, we all have deep sympathies for. <clears throat> but, nevertheless, uh, as a result of their own motorcycle, um... Assistant Commissioner Buttermaker has seen very fit to repeatedly uh, inform us that catching the man in black is our top priority, and we are assured that there are no personal vendettas regarding the matter. And he gives you a very hefty wink at that. <laughs> Nevertheless, it is still technically a case, so any sightings of the man in black are still uh, something that we need to investigate. Uh, there's also a single shoe pinned underneath. <laughs> yeah. yeah they'll- yeah, so also written underneath the, the Man in Black is a very large word, SHOE, written in capital letters. <laughs> Fortunately, we haven't seen hide nor hair of him ever since the uh, Mud Beast incident. But the only bit of evidence he left behind was a shoe that fell off of his foot during his escape. Mm-hmm. Jack was very, very uh, upset with that shoe. And the Man in Black in general. Yes. yes. They took like in an evidence bag, like pinned to the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, and arrows are drawn, uh, pointing to the shoot, and the arrows are saying, This! This is the key! You need to find him, guys. So, yeah. The shoe! Yeah. So, yeah, uh, well, that all aside, we have a number of cases that we need to investigate, and I imagine you all will be very busy over the next little while. So, um, feel free to do whatever need be in order to investigate all of these matters. I wish all of you the very best of luck. If there is anything that you need, please come see me. I will be taking care of matters of my own. There are a few matters that I believe I can resolve that may actually assist our cause, so I'll be taking care of those during the day. Mm. All right. Well, so obviously we need to figure out where Graves is. Do we have? A, did we ever get an? Ad- did we get an address from uh, Priors? You do have an address of where his parents live as he lives with them. Okay. There's one other thing that Blackmore wants to do is that he kind of has this thing on the way to work that, well, if Graves was caught trying to take photographs of public works, then chances are he fancies himself a photographer. So he's going to go on, so he's going to like just open his phone and he's going to start searching through like social media websites okay. to see if there's like a photography page for Austin Graves. All right, uh, roll me an investigation check. I believe for you that's plus six. Yes. Wouldn't that be research? Um. Well, I have that as well, so. Yeah, I'd say for this matter it would be investigation. 
that is a nine. Nope, uh, eleven altogether. All right. Um, you, yeah, you go onto Facebook and you see a couple of posts that Austin Graves has made. It seems as though, yeah, no real like. It doesn't. He doesn't seem to have made an effort with photography or anything like that. Like it's mostly just uh, selfies and posts with him at parties and friends and stuff like that. He does seem to run with a crowd that generally seems to dress in the same sort of aesthetic that he does mm. regarding you incredibly know, fashionable and and definitely not David. Yes, not like he broke in and took the entirety of a Hot Topic store and decided to wear it. Oh, no, no, no. Well, of course well, not. Why would you or like he that? fell through one. <laughs> <laughs> and he got hit, hit himself a couple times on the way down. Oh, yes. Hmm. Well, I figured that. But so there's nothing also... Is there anything else on a social media thing, like anti-government sentiment or anything like that? Um... I mean, barring stuff that's like, Ugh, I hate system... Barring that, there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's tons of that. Yeah, yeah. nothing else. Oh God, poser. This is even worse. Uh, you know, cog, you cog the system would never understand what it's like to be free like me. Uh, it seems. Yeah, this will really wake him up. It's just a picture in front of a mural that says the government is bad. <laughs> um, Damn, fancy. <laughs> It's just a man, it's just a shitty graffiti of like a stickman breaking change and the change to say, THE GOVERNMENT! <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems as though actually that you look at his basic uh, social media page and stuff and it has a couple things listed. Um, yeah, he's currently unemployed, but he's uh, going to school uh, at the University of London. Hmm. Well, that's certainly a lead. Hmm. Hmm. Quincy, um... I know the area a bit better. Adam, why don't you come with me and I can sort of give you a tour of the city on the way over to the University of London. In the meantime, Chip, Quincy, maybe you can stop by and get a warrant and that way we can kind of speed this whole process along. All right. To, uh, what, what was his name again? Oh, uh, Judge White. Yeah. To Judge White. <laughs> Time for another miscarriage of justice. <laughs> <laughs> so, Don't uh, worry, it's only illegal if you don't know you're definitely right. <laughs> <laughs> so, for reference, this is a judge that people will just... Apparently, like, supernaturally knows which warrants are for the bad guys? Uh, he's been doing his job for so long, he's got, he's essentially, like, a hunch machine. Like, he's got really, really good instincts. But at the same time, like, if anybody knew just how, how little, um, or basically how much he expedites the process, you might say, there might be a little bit of an investigation into his methods. So, anyhow... Uh, so you're gonna go get a warrant from Judge White? Yeah. Okay, so I believe this is your first time meeting the fellow. So, recommended by Blackmore, you head over to his office, and, uh, yeah, uh, there is a, yeah, basically like a small, skinny version of Santa Claus seated behind the desk, and, oh, hello there, you must be friends of, uh, Inspector Blackmore. Yes, I'm, uh, Inspector Adams. Ah, fantastic, pleasure to meet you. Right, so, um... I need a warrant for a, sorry, Graves, what was his first name? Austin. Uh, Austin Graves. For an Austin Graves. Ah. You see, I have this um, footage here, and he's going to, like, take out, like, his phone and, like, search, like, playing the footage of him, like, leaving the nightclub to going. Oh, uh, that's not Austin Graves. That seems to be an unidentified person. Oh. But you do have the footage of Austin Graves in connection with the Right, yes. yes. Sorry, that was it. Yes. It's okay. So, <laughs> you, you begin playing it. He's already read so, the warrant. So, <laughs> is this what the kids are into these days? I suppose. My God, it's dreadful. 
What is it you're arresting this fellow for again? We believe he... The... He'll... He'll indicate the, the person next... The, the actual suspect. Yeah. We believe he's a, associated with our prime suspect to a murder case. Ah, say no more! And so... <laughs> no, I have to imagine that he just picks up what... He, like, had one ready. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, like, you're, you're pulling out the phone to show the video. He's already writing the yeah, so Like, you can't stop. He has, like, these series of stands. Like, crime, yes. Crime, <laughs> yes. So, my God, the fashion alone. You could have told me it was jaywalking and I would have handed this over. <laughs> Alright, here you go. <laughs> For one crime against nature, may the hammer of justice be swift and merciless. Thank you. Anytime. Now, anything else you need? Uh, no, I think that's everything. Excellent. Chip's immediately, like, formulating ideas like, oh man, how can I use this to my advantage? <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, so he's gonna take his warrant and then go, uh, uh, I guess go grab Quincy and head over to the Get head over to Graves' home. Okay. I was like outside buying a hot dog. Oh, that was fast. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even get to. Well, probably but like. but the onions are. <laughs> I mean, we can. Don't worry, I'll drive. I'm eating my hot dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no, don't worry. I I I call um. What's our driver? Irvine. Name? Yeah, I I call Irvine. Um. Okay. So yeah. So. It's not the squad car. Uh, it's not the van, of course. Uh, basically, it's just a very small car. And Irvine, you know, his knees are still kind of hunched up to his chest a little bit. And he, you, you get it. He's looking pretty pale. Like, uh, he's, you know, kind of like... If you weren't sure... If you didn't know him, you'd say that he could... She should probably go to the hospital. Like, he looks as though he's about to nod off behind the wheel. And so, where to? Uh, I give the address... Oh, would you like one? I have another hot dog. <laughs> and he looks at it, just, uh, he takes it, and he just tries to put it into his mouth, but he hits his cheek instead. <laughs> then the other side, he's leaving a big mustard dabs on either side of his face. This, this does nothing for me. <laughs> and so with that... I cannot drive this. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just... I'll... For I'm going to reach out, I'm going to take it back. Okay. So, for reference for Jonathan, uh, Irvine was the driver of, like, the, the squad van that we had. The best way... Which, he had some sort of emotional connection to it, because once it got destroyed, he turned into this. See the oh, shell of no. his It's only been three days. And before this horrific incident occurred, these guys have basically uh, headcanoned him as being, like, very closely resembling Ryan Gosling from the movie Drive. Oh, yeah, nice. His, yeah, his, yeah, his, yeah. Catchphrase was, his catchphrase was... I'll drive. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. And then he would, that was pretty much all he said, but now he, yeah. now, now we're learning all about him as a man. Yes. And, and by man, he like shell of a human being. Yeah. <laughs> now his catchphrase is, I drove. <laughs> wow. So anyway. And uh, then some sobbing, and then, I, I, I'm going to just text uh, Hightower, yeah. when do we get a replacement van? And you get a text back, working on it. How is he? Bad. Oh. So, and I, I'm going to just take a picture of him with the so, mustard stains on his cheek. So... He does know he has mustard on his face. Yes, he put it there. My God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Go drive the squad van. He... We'll chew you right up. But, but, doctor, I am the driver of the squad <laughs> van. <laughs> All right. Um, keep him away from sharp objects. Inform me if he gets worse. Okay. All right. So, um, and as you're driving over, I think we'll cut back to these two individuals, Franklin and Adam. Yeah. So, so what are you guys doing? So I basically like, uh, like, 
take a squad car, and I basically take you on kind of a scenic route through London, more or less just pointing out, like, okay, these are good shortcuts, that's Mythtown, you know, mm-hmm. like, just basically getting you acclimatized to the local Sorry, where, where is your character from? Um, I'm gonna say that Adam uh, is American, but he's been living in uh, Wales for the past couple years. Okay, so it, it's less... Three Americans and one guy who's actually from here. <laughs> yeah, like, out of all the characters we've had, there's only been one local that's lived in Britain their entire life. Yeah. That's this but, well, I mean, this is less like giving you the, okay, you need to drive on this side of the road like these guys, like yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the Americans. Yeah, yeah. And more just like acclimatizing you to the city. Mm. So, how long have you been in London, anyways? Uh, just about a month. Oh. I, uh... Yes, I was originally transferred to the Organized Crime Division, specializing in narcotics. Oh! So you might have had run-ins with the McCarthys already, then. Uh, I've heard a thing or two about them, yes. Oh, well. Good to have someone on that. Um, so what? You used to be an investigator? Undercover? Uh, undercover, yes. Uh, I actually originally started working in archives as a linguist. Hmm. Um, yes, it's a long story, but I'm happy to be where I am now. Yeah, well, I've seen crazier promotion chains. Remind me to introduce you to Fitz and Pepper. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? Ah, uh, worked in Scotland Yard for probably a good 15, 20 years, something around there. Can't really remember. Looking at him, I'll say, Adam, that you're not sure how old he is. Like, he definitely seems to be, like, older, older, but it's part, like... To a you're... degree, like, the skin doesn't match the voice, basically. Right? Yeah, like, he sounds younger than he looks. So that you sound older. Oh, or... whatever. Whichever one works. You okay. sound older than you look, because you... Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're <laughs> rather beaten down. Yeah. Honestly, he just... This looks correct. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like what's like a car crash. It looks like a person. Yeah. You, you also <laughs> notice. You also realize, like, based on the amount of years he's working here, him still being an inspector doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm gonna choose to tactfully not say anything about that. Yeah. Oh. Why haven't you advanced in your career? <laughs> <laughs> Is there some sort of horrible baggage holding you back? <laughs> Why are you a failure? <laughs> But yeah, so I, I, I basically, you know, like, point out the things. Like, oh yeah, but uh, yeah, been working here mostly my most for that time. Uh, other than that, well, couldn't really ask for a better job. But uh, yeah, it's been an eventful couple of years with all of this. I, I point over, like, the general direction of Mythtown. Sounds like it's been an eventful couple of days. <laughs> that too. And uh, yeah, then I guess we make our way to the University of London. Mm-hmm. All right. So, heading to the University of London, enormous campus, you basically um, ask a person at a nearby booth, like, where to park the car and stuff yeah, like that. We, we pull in, we go to the registrar's office. Yeah, yeah. So, basically, yeah, uh, you head over to the registrar's office where a number of students are walking about and stuff. Like, it being a very bright uh, summer day, like, there are quite a few students walking around, you know, book bags and stuff like that talking. Some of them looking very sleep-deprived in some circumstances, but nevertheless, it is a very lovely campus. There's As someone we... going to the Student Society to talk about how they've lost their locker contents again. Again? Jesus. <laughs> anyway. Um, somebody complaining that they don't get a room in the new student building that keeps being delayed? Um, I'm going to say that uh, both of you, with your passive empathy, mm-hmm. um, basically mm-hmm. you're kind of getting a feeling that a lot of people are, like, students are just talking with each other, and you get a general sense of like a bit of unease, maybe a bit of like people whispering, oh my gosh, did you see what happened last night? And you actually see people like sharing photos and stuff like that and pointing at stuff and whispering and you get the How feeling that... taking photos last night? Um, the, 
You're not sure. Well, it could be of the aftermath, right? Yeah. Yeah, fair. But yeah, looking like you glance and you see like a photo of like a like the after effects of a car crash and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and you also see like the prone body of a hellhound in one case and stuff. Oh, jeez. Go like some sort of car that ran over all these dogs. Weird. So anyhow, making your way to the registrar's office. So yeah, uh, we basically just sort of go up. Uh, I assume we bring a bell for service. Ding ding! Um, and yeah, there's a young man uh, with glasses, seems to be of Indian descent. Hello, welcome to the University of London. Can I help you with something? Yes, uh, I'm Inspector Blackmore. This is Inspector Lavender. Oh! Uh, we're looking into the particulars of a student here, a Austin Graves. Do you happen to have any information about him that we could access? Let me see. Uh, just, uh, just, just a moment, Inspector. Ah, Austin Graves. Uh, all right. Uh, seems to be majoring in history. Hmm. It seems. Fun profession. Uh, does he have any classes going on at the moment? Um, at the moment, uh, he seems to be taking a break this semester. He was enrolled last semester in a number of courses. Um, let's see. Uh, occultism 203. Um, English 105. Uh, history 208. History 314. Oh, that seems to be about it. And business 101. <laughs> That's how we know he's evil. Truly a monster. <laughs> Econ. Um, yes, it seems as though he's living off campus. Aside from that, uh... Hmm. Do you happen to have the professor who taught that, uh, occult course? Do you happen to know if they're on campus? Hmm, yes. Uh, let's see. Professor... What faculty is that course? I'm sorry. Probably a... Business. Maybe, maybe <laughs> like, maybe <laughs> economics. Ah! Ah. <laughs> uh... Yes. You want your dividends to be higher than your profits. You need to slaughter this coach. <laughs> Professor Sherman Greenberg. So, yes, uh, he should be teaching... Uh, yes, they have a class in session at the moment. Room uh, 505 in the... Yes, uh, he... Uh, yeah, he points on that. If you just uh, follow the passageway down here, walk for about 15 minutes, you should find the building. When is the class dismissed? In about uh, 20 minutes. All right. Feel like waiting around for a bit? Sure. All right, so yeah, we'll, we'll head over to the classroom and kind of like wait for the, the class to dismiss. Okay, um, so you guys get there actually right as you hear a bell ring and like... Um, Bells? Big yeah. dog. <laughs> and yeah. It's very sensual. So yeah, um, as you're heading up to the room, you see actually the doors are opening up and a number of students are pouring out and it's at this point like... You know, you recognize that all of the doors are opening, and it's like that flood of students that happens right as a bunch of classes let out at the same time. Yeah. I, I'd imagine that being, like, a very grizzled-looking old man, that they kind of, like, just part around me, mm. in the sense yeah, of, like... Yeah, you, you probably look like you have tenure. <laughs> yeah, I, I look like a professor that you really shouldn't bump into by accident. Yeah. Oh, you see, actually, that a couple of girls actually come out talking to each other, and then they see you, and they just step to one side and just walk around you with wide eyes. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, yeah, as they part, um, yeah, the two of you actually see an older man who seems to be in his, uh, yeah, late 50s. Um, older man? Yeah. yeah um, he's got a bit of an 
Einstein look if Einstein still had, like, um... Well, he wasn't pure white, like, if he had, like, a, like a lot of salt and pepper mixed in uh, to his hair and mustache and stuff. But, yeah, and he also has a pair of spectacles as well. And his name was Greenberg, right? Greenberg. Sherman Greenberg. Yeah. Professor Greenberg. Oh, uh, hello? Uh, Inspector Blackmore and Inspector Lavender with oh. Scotland Yard. Oh, goodness. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Detectives, uh, what can I do for you? Um, we have a couple questions about a former student of yours, Austin Graves. Oh, uh, Graves, I... Yes, I know the one. He was in my occultism class last semester. Yes, um... Just curious, uh -huh. what sort of student was he? Uh, um, nothing too remarkable. Uh, showed up to classes on time, did his homework, uh, stopped by. He actually was uh, pretty interested in a number of issues regarding myths and stuff like that uh, last semester, as I remember. Mm -hmm. um, like, he talked to me quite a bit about, like, history of myths, how they appeared. I remember he asked me a number of questions, actually, about vampires. Really? But, uh, I remember he did ask me a number of questions about him. Uh, he wrote his, uh, yeah, he wrote his term paper on it, actually. Hmm. Um, his own, basically his own ideas of how some of the myths of vampires, uh, or specifically how the legends of vampires were shaped and twisted over the years, and how they both reflected and distorted, uh, what vampires actually are. Right. But other than that, nothing particularly of interest? No, not really. He, um, um, I do remember he did, he did have a couple other friends in the class. They did uh, tend to hang around with each other a bit. Like, um, they, like, grouped up together for a class project and stuff, but aside from that, uh, everything alright with them? Hmm. Um, he's a person of interest in a case that we're doing. Oh. You wouldn't happen to remember the names of these friends of his, would you? Um, I can, let me think, I can take up... I can look up on course records if you follow me to my office. Sure. You enter into his domain. His coffin is on the wall. It yeah. is a very typical professor's office. You know, bookshelves, books, a uh, couple of paperwork. Yeah, Alt exactly. Altar to his god. Skull-shaped candle holder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's for decor. Um, Bring it out during the finals is a good lesson. Uh, there's a photo of him in what appears to be his husband on the desk. Huh. So, uh, he sits down, he starts typing on his computer. Let's see here. Okay, okay. I got some names. Alright, here we go. So, um, the people that he tended to hang around with, there was uh, let's see, Devin Taylor, uh, William Watts, uh, Megan Doyle, she often referred to herself as Meg, uh, Amanda Gilbert, and Jennifer Stevens. As, uh, ooh, and also uh, Kevin Lynch as well. Yeah, the seven of them. They tended to hang out quite a bit. So, sorry, that was Devin Taylor, William yep. Watt, Jennifer Stevens, Kevin Lynch, and what were the other two? Amanda Gilbert and Meg Doyle. Yeah, a variety of different majors. I believe William Watts uh, was in business, Meg Doyle and Amanda Gilbert, the two of them are art majors. Uh, Jennifer Stevens is, uh, yeah, English major, but, yeah, a bit of variety. Hmm. Any of them in the same sort of, um, stream as Mr. Uh, Graves? Uh, I'm not familiar with the term. Um, uh, you know, myth studies, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, they, I'd say they were all, uh, pretty, in, uh, pretty interested in myths. They, uh, 
had taken occultism courses with other professors and stuff like that. This wasn't the first one. Mm. And also one uh, newly created uh, course, uh, Myth Studies. Well, basically, uh, yeah, the academic studies of myths as they have emerged into society. I imagine the uh, field is going to take off in the decades to come. Mm. Yes. Well, thank you for the information, uh, of Professor. Um, if you have any information, any other things that might be pertinent, please, and I hand him a business card, uh, contact me. Uh, you got it. Uh, best of luck with uh, your work, inspectors. Hmm. Well, and so as we're like leaving, I basically like go to Lavender, like, well, that didn't amount to much, but maybe one of his friends might be our particular uh, accomplice. Okay, um, so let's jump back to these two fine folks. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Tumblr at listentothesenerds.tumblr.com or on Twitter at LTTNCast. All our music is sourced from Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listentothesenerds at gmail.com.